Good morning, church. Yeah, that's a good story, isn't it? Great to see a group of young couples, singles doing life together. So my name's Mark, if you're a guest, really glad that you're here. Happy New Year if you weren't here last weekend. Uh, We're excited about what's going on in the church. So this weekend, about 125 from our student ministries, middle school, high school, have been up in um, Green Bay for what we call districts. Chris Brown, our good friend from North Coast, was a speaker And God's spirit has been at work in the hearts of our students. Just got word that 18 of the students who went gave their lives to Christ this weekend. So isn't that awesome? And scores more who rededicated and kind of refocusing their their life to to walk and and live for Jesus. So that is awesome. Um, We're starting a new series called The Fight. And... um, it's easy at the beginning of the year to uh, get excited about some new opportunities, maybe, maybe that we could stretch out one of those resolutions into March. You know, that's exciting to think <laughs> about. Um, actually, what we wanted to do at the beginning of this year was lean into the things that are hard in our life and to better equip uh, each other to know how to function when life is hard. So it's, it's an easy conversation for me to say, so what are you excited about? What great plans do you have? It, it's, it's a little different conversation if I say, so what are you under right now? What's hard in your life? What are you up against? What, what, what is the fight or the, the battles that are going on in your life? For some of us right away, it's, just, it's a relationship. It's this defining relationship. Maybe it's with your parents. Maybe it's with your kid. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's relationships at work with your boss that's just sideways. Uh, That's what you think of. For others, it it could be in the whole area of just working through some of the stuff of the past that keeps coming back and just dealing with it and trying so hard to get to the other side of it. And then you can just think of all the other things that are represented in a group like this. Here's what happens when we're Christ followers going through hard times. We walk in a room like this and we look around and we go, man, everybody looks so good. They look really happy. I'm sure they've got all their stuff together and it just must be me. Like I'm the only one. We're the only couple going through it. I must be the only kid here, whatever. It's just so easy to do that. And um, it discourages us. And so we, we get into these things that aren't, health, aren't healthy at all. We think there's something wrong with us. Like I must be the only like loser Christian in this whole place because everybody else looks so good. And I just think it's really important we just tear down that. It's just, it's bogus, it's a myth, it's a lie. Whether you're a follower of Christ or not, life is hard in a fallen world. As Christ followers, we know that when life is hard, God is good, and he does good things through hard things. And so we're, we're excited to uh, lean into this. And I hope one of the things that happens is, is that we normalize this category. That, yeah, of course I'm in a fight. The Apostle Paul, when he describes his life, was one big fight. Jesus had one epic battle from the beginning of his public ministry all the way to the cross. And what he says to his followers in John 16, is this. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have what? Trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. 
So five weeks on the fight. Man, we could spend a year on this subject. So we're just going to be getting after it. So um, as, as we kind of set up the series this weekend, here's what we want to do. We want to better understand what, what is the Bible talking about when it uses this expression of the fight? What is the fight? All right? And then why is it good? Why is it called a good fight? Usually fights we don't, we don't think are good. I remember the first time Lori and I got an apartment. In fact, we just took the kids over Christmas back to see it. 205 high. I mean, this thing, I don't think it had more than 250 square feet. The ceilings were six foot four, and they described it as the garden apartment, a gross overestimation of that property. It was the basement. It was the basement. But we were happy. 225 for rent a month. This was awesome. So we meet the couple that also had been students at Trinity Seminary, and, and they told us that, they, you know, he was like, Trinity was supposed to be like a three-year plan. He was like on the five-year plan. They'd lived there like four or five years. So, I mean, I just thought, hey, wow, you must have a lot of good memories in this place. And she kind of had this serious look on her face, and she said, and a lot of good fights. And I thought, oh, let's, that was like too much information. Um, so, you know, when she said, and a lot of good fights, I, I don't, I didn't understand that as all. And it was really good for us. It was really helpful. No, she would say, we had a lot of humdingers in this place. But the Bible, but the Bible says, actually, it's a good fight. So how's that? And then, and then at the end, let's just talk about, so how does it work? This fight of the faith that's a good thing, all right? So what is the fight? Why is it good? How does it work? That's where we're going. All right, buckle up. Here we go. So what is the fight? Um, First Timothy. Actually, this metaphor of the Christian life being a fight is something repeatedly shared by the Apostle Paul to his young protege, disciple Timothy, who actually is the pastor at the church in Ephesus, okay? So he says to Timothy, Timothy, my son, this is uh, 1 Timothy 1, 18, 19. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. So that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. So the Bible says the fight is a fight of faith. It's connected to faith. All right, so let's kind of just pare this thing down. We know we come into a relationship with God by faith. When Paul describes being in Christ, he talks about having heard the gospel of our salvation, this word of truth, and having believed it, we were in Christ and then Christ's spirit in us, marking us, our hearts, with this seal, the promised Holy Spirit, the guarantee of our inheritance. So it, it talks about faith, how we come into this relationship with Christ, and faith is how the relationship with Christ, with God through Christ, continues. It marks our life. So the Bible will say things like, it's impossible to please God without faith. And people who have faith believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently pursue and seek him. Hebrews eleven six. So the Bible says it's connected to faith. The interesting thing is, when you start looking up faith in our dictionaries, like Webster's, and he describes faith in God, you understand that his understanding of it in the Bible is, is there's some overlap, and then there's some things that don't jive. 
So here's what Webster says. Faith in God. Belief in the existence of God. Hebrews 11.6 just said that. Yep. Strong religious feelings or belief. Yes, on strong beliefs. Not necessarily on feelings. In fact, that's going to be one of the cardinal parts that describes this fight of faith is oftentimes our feelings aren't going to be there. When the things get hard... God's character gets put on trial. Like, I don't know what it is. It's hard right now when you saw those, th that word, the fight, what that fight is. But it's easy for going through this and the feelings coming around the circumstances for our feelings to say and shout, like, I don't know if God loves me. I don't know if he's good. I don't know if he's in control. Those are strong feelings, the Bible says when it describes faith, it's about obedience. It describes faith as the obedience of faith. So it doesn't just involve feelings. They may be there. They may be in line with our actions or they may be opposed to our actions. But faith is rooted in activity. And the activity of faith is this, taking God at his word. So when I think about faith, this is how I define it. Taking God at his word. We're believing that what it says is true. We're obeying the commands, not the suggestions. We don't turn them into suggestions. Well, you know, no, we're obeying the directives of God's word and we're trusting that the things that he promises that I don't have today, but he's promised in the future, that I, I'm gonna receive those. So I'm taking God at his word. This is the fight. Is God's word true? Is it a good word? Can I trust what it says? Does it make sense to follow it? Will those promises come true? That's the fight. So then the fight is anything that challenges us taking God at his word. Anything and everything. So look at the different messages in the series here. So next week, facing your past, dealing with doubts, fighting temptations, how to truly change. These, in a sense, are the battles that make up the fight. And all these things are past, the things that we haven't done well in the past, we're dealing with the ongoing consequences of the past, and those are things that come up against our faith. So we have these strong feelings like, ah, I feel so guilty, I don't feel like God could ever love me. Those are coming right up against God's word, and I have a choice, and I can believe what God says about what Christ did on the cross for the things I did in the past, or am I going to believe my feelings? So um, one of the things that was helpful this week for me, and I don't think I've put this together, is whenever the Bible describes the fight, it does so with a singular voice. So he talked about the battle back in chapter 1. He talked about fight the battle well, not fight the battles well. Here's, here's another example. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And so we've got lots of battles that are all part of the one fight. And it's really important we connect the dots that whatever's hard in your life, this battle isn't the fight of faith until faith becomes part of the picture. It's a battle. And all the battles that we face in life, all the battles represented in this room are connected or should be connected as a Christ follower to the fight of faith. And if we don't connect 
our different trials, our struggles, what's hard right now to the fight of faith, we're going to be spinning our wheels and going, why aren't we moving forward here? Why do I keep going back to this thing and I can't seem to shake this thing? And for a lot of us, we're going, that's exactly me. We've got to connect them. So let me illustrate. I hope this helps. So a couple weeks ago, uh, the washing machine went on the fritz. Like it would start and then it would stop. I was like, oh, so then you just kind of click it a little further and then it keep going again. Well, obviously, this is not our way forward in the My Fair home. So we got to get a guy to come in. He, over the phone, says it sounds like this thing's blown. He figured out what it was, the timing, whatever, and it's not worth fixing. It's an old washer. So he says, I'll bring out a new one. And uh, so I disconnected and put it in the garage. And then he looked at some things and he tweaked a few things. And he says, you know, actually, I, I, I think it's going to be good. Why don't you try it? I said, okay. So I said, you know what, I'll, I'll just hook it up myself. I'll see. You are a smart group. You know where this is going. Hey, I've built a log cabin. I can hook up a stinking washer, right? What's the big deal? A hot hose, a cold hose, and the drain hose. Three days later, I'm down in the basement. I go, what happened here? There's this big old brown water stain. So, you know, I'm thinking, well, I've got some good Kills primer. That'll cover up any stain. <laughs> I'm going to put some Kills on it, and I'm going to put some... You think that's all I did? I mean, it needed attention, right? But I, I knew right away, if I didn't find the leak, I'm going to keep doing this every week, right? So I did both. I, I, I had to deal with the ceiling. That's your battle, but if I don't connect that stain to the leak and fix the leak, I'm going to keep painting that ceiling every week. And that's what some of us are doing because we haven't connected the battle to the fight. Does this make sense? This is huge. This is huge for us. This is a, a huge breakthrough for a lot of us if we understand what's going on here. And so the fight with doubt, with our past, temptations in our marriage, with our parents, with the kids, the fight of an addiction, our health problems, all connect to the fight of faith, to taking God at his word. And if we don't connect it, we just keep repainting the ceiling. It's a really strong image. I want you to think about it. We keep recovering the stain. So that's the fight. It's a fight of faith that Paul describes as a good thing. Most of the battles that we're in, I mean, maybe when we get through it, maybe by faith we would say, believing his promises that he's going to take us through this, we're good in the midst of it. We could say this is a good thing. But most of the time we go, this is just a hard thing. This is an impossible thing. This is a why thing. The Bible calls it a good thing. So that kind of catches us by surprise, and it raises the question, doesn't it? Why? Why would a fight, the fight of faith, be a good thing? Because, you know, as I'm thinking about it, like, why, why couldn't we, like, just trust? Wouldn't it be great if the 18 who just trusted Christ up in Green Bay were now perfectly made like Jesus and never sinned again? That feels like a really good thing. Like, why does it have to be a struggle? Why, why can't we just be made perfect now? Why do we have to wait till we die or Jesus comes back? Why is the fight, 
that is messy and sloppy and a step forward and two steps back, why is that good? Let me give you five things. So if you're taking notes, number one, it reveals our weakness. And the weaknesses remind us that we aren't God and that we need God. That's a good thing. Because the problems of this world all get back to our forefather and his bride, Adam and Eve, who do what we do all the time, thinking they knew better than God and they could run. This is not a good thing for us to think, I've got it, I can handle it, we've got this, we can do this. The trials bring the weaknesses, the weakness reminds us, I'm not God, I need God. And the Bible keeps saying this, when we actually come to that reality that we need God, that we're weak, it positions us to be strong. So Paul, after talking about all the trials in his life, will say in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, verse 30, if I must boast, I'll boast about the things that show my weakness. So here's a wild thought for some of you who aren't yet Christ followers, and you're in it, and you've been in it. I'd say most of us in this room would connect something hard with the story of how we just turned our life over to God and said, God, I can't. I can't. I need you. It's a good thing. There's a second reason. The reason the fight is a good fight is because it makes us strong. It builds strength. It makes us more like Jesus. That's a good thing. So a lot of us, we've head back to the gym and we're committed to working out more this week, right? So the fight is God saying, all right, here's your, here's your gym, Mark. And the trial is like the weight on the bar that we're working with our muscle and the resistant force to our muscle tears down that muscle and it builds up stronger, stronger, gives us endurance. And that's what the Bible says. So in James chapter one, James says this, verse two, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The trial's a good thing because it'll make you strong as you stay under that force, that weight. That perseverance leads to maturity so we're more like Christ and we become complete in him. And that's a good thing. It makes us strong. There's a third reason. And we see it in 1 Timothy 6.12. He says, fight the good fight of the faith, Timothy. Take hold of the eternal life. It's it's an interesting phrase. Take hold of the eternal life. So there's something about the fight that connects us with eternal life, which is actually not something that we'll get in the future. One of the things we miss is when Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, he's actually offering us today, not in its complete fullness, but in our experience, the quality of eternal life. Take hold of eternal life because eternal life isn't just like this this kind of thing that surrounds us and now changes us in eternal It's actually a relationship. Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, Father, and the Son that you sent. It's in a relationship. And there's something about the struggle that connects us to Christ who went through the struggle for us. That's a profound thing that you always want to connect when it's hard, that Jesus gets your heart. 
We have a record of it in the Bible. Nobody around you fully understands he actually does. And not just because he's God and knows all things, because he became a man and experienced the sufferings of humanity. And so it connects us with Christ's eternal life. And it actually is a sign of spiritual vitality. That this is a good thing. Because if you didn't have the struggle, it would most likely point to the fact that you don't have spiritual life in you because spiritual life is a struggle is what the Bible's telling us. So I think of five years ago, our oldest daughter, Laura, had just gotten married to John. They were coming up to their first anniversary. It was Christmas. John's a soldier in the army. They were down at Fort Bragg. She's taken the flight out of Charlotte. She's driving the two hours to the airport. She gets T-boned by an F-350 hauling a big old tractor trailer, and she just gets crushed. And we didn't know if she was going to make it. It was this horrendous, horrific thing. Happened at four in the afternoon. Lori and I were literally, it was a miracle. We were at her bedside at 11 o'clock that night. And she had bleeding on the brain. And the doctor said, we just don't know. We don't know if she's going to make it. The next 24 hours are critical. And at, at first, she was just lying there completely unconscious. Didn't move. That was Wednesday. Thursday, she starts to move. The doctors come in. And she's thrashing and she's kicking people and they start tying her down. Next thing I noticed, there's a star on the door, which was code to all the medical staff. Beware, there's like this crazy girl in here who could hurt you. <laughs> and and I, it was so upsetting. I mean, this is the most intense thing I've ever been in my life. So upsetting though, to see her so agitated and thrashing. And, and the doc came and he just gave me a huge perspective that was so helpful. He said, you, you just need to know when we see that, that's a good sign. These are the ones that normally make it. The ones who just lie there still, not. So it's a good thing to be in the fight. These are the ones who are going to make it to the end by God's grace because we're in the fight connected to life, eternal Christ. It's a good thing. It's a good thing because fighting in faith is fight of faith. Not for it, but from it, knowing that Christ actually always took the Father at his word. That's what he did when he said, not my will, but your will be done. That's what he did when he forgave those who were his enemies. He always kept God's word. He believed it. He obeyed it. He trusted in the promises that God wouldn't leave him in the grave, but he'd be raised to new life. And because of that, we have a position that we're fighting from the victory in Christ and we find victory in Christ just as Jesus took God at his word when he was tempted to turn his back in the wilderness those 40 days. And finally, the fifth reason, it's a good fight because it's for a good God. And when we blow it, like hello, when we blow it, that he doesn't go, my fair, you are such a loser. How many times has this happened? You know what? I'm moving on to someone else. No, it's, I love that story of Peter, who at the crucible of Jesus' life doesn't even acknowledge that he knows the man. 
And Jesus comes to him. He pursues Peter and he gives him an opportunity. This man who denied him three times, he allows him to affirm his love for Jesus three times. And then he addresses the issue, which for Peter was, obviously I failed and there's nothing left for me to do. And Christ keeps saying, every time after he affirms his love for him, he says, well, then get on with it. Get on with it. Feed my sheep. You've got work to do. That's a great thing about our great God is his mercy in the midst of the fights when we find ourselves face planting. You had a face plant lately? You just need to know that there's kindness on his face. There's gentleness as he picks us up and dusts us off. He says, let's, let's try this again. Let's try this again. It's a good fight. So the life of, fight, of faith is a fight. It's a good one. We were taking God at his word. So how does that work? So this is what I want to do here is is just take the last 15 minutes just talk about. So how does that work actually? Now I'm going to apply it to one of the topics that we came up with and uh, we could do a whole series on this and it's the whole thing of identity. And one of the reasons I like talking about this as a way of applying the the teaching here is all of us to some degree, for for others, it's, it's a really big battle in our life right now. But all of us can relate to this one, all right? So let me just start with four questions. The first question is, on a, on a scale of one to 10, one low, 10 high, uh, how do you see yourself? Uh, how's, your, how's your identity? Are you feeling good about yourself? Then you're up over five somewhere. Not so good, you're probably under five. So where, where are you on the continuum? And then the second question is, and so what, what are the things that made you pick that number? Why a seven, not a two? Why a two and not a seven? So how do you feel about yourself? Why? I, I, we, you don't have enough time to sort that one out. That'd be a good one to think about before the Packers kick off today. So yeah, why do I pick that number? What are the forces in play? Third, where do I find my identity? In what kinds of things? What am I chasing to move up towards that 10? What brings me greater fullness and contentment about who I am? And let me give you some categories. It's not all of them, but you should be represented. And it may not just be one of these. It might be a couple of these. So intellect, smarts, knowledge is power, right? People look to us as as being really wise and having great insight. And we just know a lot. And we never want to look dumb because that makes us really feel bad. Just intellect. Another one is looks. So when we're young, we always want to look good. And when we're older, we want to look young. And so our body is really important to us, working out our diet, because that's our identity. It's really tied in to what I look like. Here's the third. Work is a huge one. This isn't just a guy's thing. This is for a lot of people, men and women. Work. Or maybe for students, you know, how you're doing as a student, in work, you think about um, the accomplishments. You think about the position you have. You think about the power and influence with that identity. Success. Economic success is a big one. Friends, my spouse, the kids. The approval of those friends, the approval of people at work, the approval of mom and dad, the approval of our kids. Am I popular at school? Huge for identity. For others, it's our ethnicity. 
or our heritage. Hey, did you guys know that my parents immigrated from Switzerland? <laughs> you know, nobody got that last night. It was just like, it was so encouraging for Lori to say, I laugh, but you guys laughed. That's good. So, you know, our heritage, our ethnicity, maybe it's sports, our sports team. Do I see any golden? Yes. Okay, I get that. You know, we're a Packer fan, or I love, I'm a baseball player. I do football. That's our identity, a hobby. For some today, sexual orientation, that's our identity. This is who I am. All right, now here's the kicker. And now this fourth question brings us right into the fight And hopefully it's connected to the fight of faith. Because what happens when you get in a car accident and your mind is forever impacted? You're no longer the person with that 160 IQ. What happens when your face is disfigured? What happens when you walk into work after 40 years and they fire you? What happens when you hang up the cleat, so to speak, and you retire? Now what? What happens when you had your identity in your marriage and your husband says, you know, I'm trading you in. I don't love you anymore. What happens when the nest is empty and your identity was built in there as a mom taking care of your kids and the kids are off on their own. What happens if your identity was, man, I'm, I, I want to be known as a great Christian and one of the places they'll see that I'm a great Christian is all my kids have it together. They're walking with Christ and all of a sudden one of the kids goes AWOL and they're the prodigal. They want nothing to do with Jesus. What happens then? What happens when you can't find the job you lost? When you've got some kind of a health crisis or financial crisis and you lose it all, the pay, the perks, the nice house, the nice cars, the great vacations, and all the rest. What happens when the crowd's applause turns to jeers and sneers when somebody has actually slandered you and dragged your character right through the mud and there's nothing you can do about it? What happens then? What happens to our ethnic pride when our people are looked down and treated unjustly? What happens when you don't make the team? What happens when you don't get the lead? What happens when the degree program that you want, because it's your future, it doesn't open up. You can't get into that school. What happens then? Well, we have a crisis. And the reality, some of you are offended by the fact that I'm even talking about a reversal because for you, you've never lived over five. As far back as you can remember, you were overlooked. You were belittled. I mean, this is in your family. You were bullied at school. You were poked fun of. You've actually never had the the beautiful thing of people setting their affections and words of affirmation on you. You actually, it's not part of your experience. So what happens, I believe, a lot if we're not engaged in this fight of faith is we just double back. I feel really crummy about myself because of this. So man, maybe I just got to work harder at work 
so that I can get more of my colleagues' esteem. And the next time I'm up for a promotion, I'll actually get it. So we double back through the same list. Or we go, you know what? I got to find my identity in a different thing because it's not working in that area. I'm going to pick a new area. But what we're doing at that point is we just, we're just painting the ceiling. We're painting the ceiling. And so what we're called to do here is understand that in the things that are hard of life as we're working out, right, we're, we're applying just now to identity, as we're working out who we are and how we feel about who we are, that, that we, we, we need to understand that we live in a world with competing voices. So God's word is saying this about you and me. We're created in his image, Genesis 1.26. We are crowned with glory and honor. We share part of the divine, Psalm 8.5. We are loved by God with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31.3, he's demonstrated that love, Romans 5.8, by sending his son to die on the cross for us. We're not a piece of junk. Ephesians 2.10 says we are a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good that he's prepared for us to do a long time ago. And so we've got God's word, like in Ephesians chapter 1. Listen to all the things God's word says. It says, verse 4, that he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So you think about some of us who've always been on the wrong side of this continuum of feeling really great about ourselves, and you just go to recess. You go to gym class, and you go, yeah, I was always like the last one chosen. This says we are chosen by God before the creation of the world. In love, it says, verse 5, that he predestined us, for adoption. In love, he adopted us, and he did so in accordance with the pleasure of his will because he wanted to, that we're loved, that we're, we're children of God, part of his family. It goes to, on to say in verse 7, in him we have redemption. That's not a word we think of. We're, we've been made free at this great cost, the blood of Christ. We're free. We're forgiven of our sins. This is who we are. We're, we're not people who are living out of scarcity, but we have all the blessings of Christ, verse 3, and we have all the riches of God's grace lavished on us. This is who we are. But this isn't the only word in our life. This is the word we need to get better acquainted with. This is the word I need to be in every day because there's a whole other set of voices to God's word, and they're like tapes playing over and over again in our lives. It might be the tapes of people in the past. You're not going to amount to anything. We're talking about identity here. It might be the tapes of the circumstance where we went, oh man, I dropped out of that program. Oh man, I flunked that marriage. Oh man. And all these circumstances and all these voices, they're loud. And then you've got the whole thing of conventional wisdom of our day and what the world thinks is successful and what the world thinks you should base your identity on. And they're screaming at us and they're loud. And we stand in the middle. There's God's voice over here. There's all these competing voices here. And then we got a choice. Just like Adam and Eve had a choice when God's word was clear and there was an alternative word that came in and they thought, well, maybe this one's better. Maybe they're right. Maybe the, the, the enemy's right, that God's holding back goodness from us, and this is the path to being like God, and this would be good, and he's not, we're not gonna die. And so this is the fight. This is intense. Yeah, it has to do with feelings, but the feelings are the stuff where my feelings are shouting, Mark, 
you're a loser. You've been rejected and nobody wants you. And then the fight of faith is no, actually feelings. Let me give you some gospel truth. I'm chosen. I'm adopted. And then the fight of faith is, so how am I going to operate my life? Am I operate out of God's good word of blessing over me that I actually am chosen, adopted, created in his image, crowned with glory and honor, where I'm going to believe these voices and the strong feelings that kind of give voice to all those things. And there's a huge difference of how I'm going to live my life if I believe by God's grace, not because of anything I am, because of who he is, I'm chosen, I'm adopted, I'm love. Or if I'm going to come out of here and go, you know what, nobody loves. Do you remember that when you were a kid? Nobody loves me. The whole world hates me. Everybody's against me. I mean, that, that just thing goes inward and down. That's, that's the only path for that stuff. So you think about this fight of faith. We feel like a failure. God's word says masterpiece, passed over, adopted, guilty, forgiven, poor, impoverished, wanting, lacking, rich with God's grace, embarrassed about what I've done, who I am, crowned with glory, bearing the image of God. It's not about your feelings. It's about taking God at his word. And if our identity isn't in Christ, friends, if it isn't in Christ... Man, we're just, it's, it's going to be every day we're going to look at a stain. Every day we look in the mirror, it's just going to go, huh. You know, there's a whole bunch of people where it's, just, it, it's so hard that they don't double back anymore. The pain over this whole thing of identity is you just want to wash down the pain. I just need some more pills. I just need another high. I just need a little more comfort, a little more love, a little more sex, whatever it is. So this is how it works, but make no mistake, it is a fight. But here's the good news. You don't fight it on your own. We fight it together as a community of believers because we've been adopted into this family. We fight it in Christ. So when the Bible talks about the spiritual armor of the helmet of salvation, this breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the sword of the Spirit, the feet with these gospel boots on, all of that is reminding us that we fight in the strength of Christ because the salvation, the righteousness, the truth, the word, the gospel, all connects us to Christ. And Paul would say this beautiful, he says at the end of his life when he's talking about I finished the fight and all the rest, he says, look, at the end of the day, at my defense, nobody was there. I was deserted. I was all by myself. But these are beautiful words that we need to hang on to right now when we feel abandoned and like nobody else is in there in our fight. In our fight. 2 Timothy 4, 17. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it and I was delivered from the lion's mouth from great danger. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he's given you what's necessary for this fight. He's given you himself, his spirit, his word, his family, prayer so let's fight well I can't fight well though if I don't know this I, 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 you can't get this proxy knowledge 
I mean, it's a great question when you're in a battle to get alongside of some Christians and say, so what does God's truth say about this? Don't, don't ask the questions, what do you think I should do? It's not helpful. It's just painting the same stain. God's word, what does it say? What are the principles that inform this battle that I'm in so I can fight it well and, and attack the source of the issue, not the result of it, the symptoms of it? I gotta be in God's word. I gotta lean into prayer. Take advantage of that. I gotta get connected to community. I, I gotta get, get in a group. You can do that right now. It's awesome. And I need to just remember that it matters. This whole thing is not like, it's not a big deal actually what you do with this. It's everything. Because Jesus says this, he or she who endures to the end of life in faith will be saved. The mark of true faith is that it perseveres. It's not that it's always up and to the right. Sorry, to the right. <laughs> it's, it's that we keep trusting so that even when we do the face plant, we take out his word, we confess that, we repent of it, and we keep turning and trusting Christ. It matters. It's not just to you. It matters to all the people in your life. So I was going through the Christmas cards and I had this overwhelming impression because Lori's sneaky. She puts them in a basket before I've seen them. So I hadn't seen them. So I'm going through this and I'm connecting with all these old friends over the years, just feeling so full and rich. And here's the deal. My life in Christ is connected to those people in Christ. And how I do in this fight, it matters for other people. We live in a day where it says, the kids are going to be fine. Really? You think that's how it works? You think the church is going to be fine if I just do whatever I want to do this week? I'm not going to be fine. And it's not going to go well in all those people that God wants us to serve. And if we get our identity in Christ... Actually, we're positioned to serve these people and not look to these people to kind of make up the deficiencies of our life. And it's a beautiful thing. But man, I check out of the life of faith and I start doing life on my own. I play God over my own life. I say, I'm not coming under your word, God. I got a better word. I'm gonna live for me. That is gonna have all these ripple effects. So it matters that by God's grace, in his power, we fight the good fight well together by his grace to the end, right? Let's pray. So God, right now you're at work in somebody's life who is realizing that they're doing the fight without faith. And I thank you that you've brought them to the end of themselves. And I thank you that through your word and your spirit, they are believing that Jesus, your son, is the answer. And so I, I praise you for that, for new life, for new faith, for the fight, the battle to be connected to the fight of faith. For those 18 students, grow them strong. Then there's a whole bunch of us, Lord, listening now who are ready to check out of the fight because it's just been too hard. And we just remember that you've already won the battle on the cross and you're enough for all that we face and I pray that you connect us Lord to your word through your spirit to your people in prayer to you Lord you make us strong that we better know the good things in this hard fight
Until you come or call us home, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.